you please uh, join me in a word of prayer? Well, Lord God, in you is all wisdom. So I pray that you would make us wise. I ask you to open up the book of Proverbs to us. I pray for your help now as I preach. And for each one of us, Lord, that we would grow and increase in the fear and knowledge of you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So before I um, start into this sermon, I want to do a memory verse. You know, the Proverbs are written in such a way that they're, they're terse little s- statements that you can hide in your heart fairly easily, and then the Holy Spirit can bring them to memory in a time when you need them. So each of these next eight weeks, we're going to have a memory verse, and it's printed in the bulletin so you can take it home with you. I'm going to put it on the screen right here, and we're going to read it together, and then we're going to take it away and try and say it again from short-term memory. And BE gave you from the start of the service to now to cram this, and then 2021 groups throughout the week will also rehearse these, and then you'll get a new one next week. So let's read this uh, together, and we'll also say the reference, because that'll help us be able to find it later if we needed to go to the passage. So together, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1.7. All right, take it away, and let's try again, okay? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1.7. Well done. Short-term memory is good. We'll see how you handle it come Friday or so. And on Wednesdays in Wired, we'll put the next coming memory verse in there so you could work ahead for next week. But we're starting a sermon series here today, so it's a little bit, you know, I'm springing it on you. Now, God's wisdom helps you succeed in God's world. Are you a wise person? Better yet, do other people say that you're a wise person? It's helpful if other people say it because you might be self-deceived. As Proverbs 12:15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. So if you think you're wise, that doesn't count for much. But if other people say that you're a wise person, well, that's, that's worth listening to. So I wonder, are you wise? And what is wisdom as opposed to folly or foolishness? It's, I would suggest it's a kind of intelligence. You've heard of IQ and EQ, you know, a quotient of intellect. There's head smarts, there's street smarts. Wisdom is a kind of intelligence, and it's a little different than IQ. It's being able to anticipate what's going to happen and then plan accordingly and act accordingly. Do you remember the the great hockey player Wayne Gretzky? He was one time asked why he was so good at hockey. And he said, it's pretty simple. I don't skate to where the puck is. I anticipate where it will be and I skate there. And there's some real wisdom in that. If you knew where the puck was gonna go, it'd be good to get there ahead of time and then it just comes right to you. You don't have to chase it. Wisdom is kind of like that, anticipating how things work in this world and then acting and behaving accordingly. So what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna actually question your worldview. I'm gonna challenge us to adopt God's worldview and consider the importance of a relationship with him. In fact, that memory verse we just did is really, it's the overarching verse that pulls all of the wisdom literature together. The fear of the Lord, that's the beginning. It's a relationship with him. Now I've titled this sermon series, Proverbs, Walking Wisely in a Fool's World. And it's not that the world belongs to fools, it's just there are so many of them. (laughs) Kind of like birds, you see them everywhere. 
Fools are everywhere. But wise people are more like owls. If you see an owl, they blend into trees. They're huge birds, and yet they're so um, elusive. To see an owl is something that we all light up about because um, you just don't see them that often. Well, in a similar way, fools stand out. They, make, they declare their presence by their foolishness, but wise people are far more subtle. And fools are short-sighted, especially concerning outcomes. Think of the patriarch Jacob and his older brother Esau. Esau came in from the field and was hungry, and his brother was making lentil stew. I mean, that's not even great, right? Lentil stew. And he was so hungry, he sold his birthright for a, a bowl of lentil stew. That's so short-sighted and foolish. And Jesus also had much to say in the realm of wisdom. Um, it, the parables that he taught are a, a type of wisdom literature. And he told a parable in um, Luke chapter 12, and it goes like this. The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? He was so short-sighted, he was living only for comfort, ease, and pleasure, and not thinking of larger, longer outcomes. As a former youth pastor, I, I could tell stories of students that were coming to youth group on a weekly basis, and they were really coming alive in their faith. And then the school pressure picked up, and they started to miss youth group because they had all this homework. And I was saddened when parents, I would reach out to the parents to encourage them to keep plugging into youth group. And the parents were like, no, well, they've got to study. They've got to study. And when I pressed further, I realized this short-sighted worldview of most parents in America. I want my kid to study so that he or she will get good grades, so they can get into a good college, so that they can get a good job and make lots of money, and therefore be you know, financially um, secure. And I'm like, dot, 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 so that? Where does it go then? As a parent, you feel like, well, I've raised an educated kid who now is financially independent of me. I guess I'm off the hook. And that's so short-sighted because why do your kids exist in the first place? And where are they headed? So you raise kids that are educated and profitable, and then what? Is that, is that it? It's so short-sighted. See, this whole study of Proverbs is about God's wisdom helping us succeed in God's world. It's a God-centered and saturated universe, and he has an eternal plan for us that is far beyond just some of those shorter-term goals that much of the world runs after, and he wants us to see that. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. Fools despise instruction, and so God wants us to understand it from his perspective. Now, I'm going to come back to that, but let me say this about wisdom. Um, wisdom because of God's common grace to the world, is everywhere. There's wisdom in all different cultures, all different types of it, really. And common grace is just God has given intellect to all people and the ability to observe and reason and think. And you can study something for a while and start to anticipate how it will play out, and then you can act accordingly. And so 
there are secular definitions of wisdom as well. Like consider these ones just from like Webster's Dictionary. Sound actions based on applied experience. You burn your hand once when you put it in a fire, you learn what happens and you don't do it again. That's just observation and then applied experience. I'm not gonna put my hand in the fire because I will be burned. You learn that and then you plan accordingly. Good sense in judgments is another definition. Shrewd, I like that word, shrewd and sensible responses in particular situations. Understanding people and circumstances and dealing accordingly. Those are just some of the definitions that are out there. And note that wisdom is really found in its application, not its head knowledge. So if I know that the fire will burn my hand, but I keep putting my hand in the fire, I don't have wisdom, right? It's not up here. It's when it actually gets into your life and you begin to live in a wise way. That's why I ask, do people say that you're wise? Because they see how you live. Are you, are you making the same foolish mistakes again, or are you growing in wisdom? So. James says, let us be not hearers only of the word, but doers, the Apostle James, which is kind of New Testament wisdom writing, what James writes in the New Testament. And I like some of what Proverbs says. It really makes fun of people that are uh, sluggards, lazy, inactive, that don't put in place wisdom. Uh, one, of the, one of the ones I like, because it's so graphic, is Proverbs twenty-two thirteen. It says, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the street. If I go out there, I'll be killed. Try and tell your boss, I can't come into work because car crashes happen. And if he's wise, he'll turn around and say, I can't sign your paycheck because I have a blister on my finger. <laughs> right? It's just, it's so silly. The Proverbs want us to take action to change how we live. Now, every culture has this, and you've got farmer's almanacs. If you don't know what a far farmer's almanac is, you're young. You know what a life hack is, though. You can go to a blog and look up life hacks. Those are ways to live better based on other people's applications and observations. And there are fortune cookies that have wisdom in them. Like, consider these ones. Um, if you want the rainbow, you have to tolerate the rain. We had a rainbow at Friday night's um, food truck, but it was not fun to have sprinkles, and I thought we were going to get rained out. There was rain, but we got a great rainbow. Or this one, a ship in harbor is safe, but ships are not built for harbors. Right? There's applied wisdom there. He who throws mud loses ground. <laughs> I like that. There's you know, a play on words there, a double, double meaning. One who would have the fruit must climb the tree. You know, these are all from fortune cookies. Or um, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain said this, a person who won't read has no advantage of a, over a person who can't read. So all of this is part of secular wisdom based on observations. And you know the saying, red in the morning, sailors take warning, red at night, sailors delight? Well, Jesus actually knew that one. And in the New Testament, he actually quoted it in uh, Matthew 16. It says this. Now, he, it doesn't rhyme because he was speaking Aramaic and the New Testament was written in Greek and then we have it translated in English. So it's not the same rhyme I just gave, but the same content here. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test him and they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the, red, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and departed. 
You have secular wisdom about how the weather goes, and you completely miss the spiritual importance of your times. The Son of God has come among you, and you're missing it. I won't do another sign for you. And he left them. So the thing about this is that God's wisdom helps people succeed in God's world. And the secular wisdom can tell you how God's world works, but not why. The scripture wisdom tells you why, as well as how. And so there are other definitions. I like this one from the um, Reformation Study Bible that was edited by R.C. Sproul. Um, He says this, wisdom in scripture means choosing the best and noblest end at which to aim and the most appropriate and effective means of achieving that end. It's about your worldview. Why do you exist? Where are you heading? What will happen when you die if you're an eternal being? How do you live in light of that? What is the noblest end for your life? And then how do you achieve that end? That's why I say God's wisdom helps people succeed in God's world. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And and just like any Hebrew poetry in the Psalms and other places, they interchange words and they, they say one line and then they say it again in another way to, to add meaning to it. So they interchange the word wisdom. So that might be hard on our memory verse because several places in there it says the fear of the Lord is the begin- beginning of wisdom. But in our verse, it's the beginning of knowledge. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are kind of interchanged. You know, the fools despise understanding. So it interchanges these things. But... Um, in Proverbs, wisdom is the skill of living in a God-honoring way that adapts to how God made life work. So now let's go to, I want to actually go to verse 7. And this verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. It is the controlling idea of all of the book of Proverbs. It is, it needs to stay in mind the whole time you're reading through Proverbs because it's about a God-saturated universe, not just fortune cookie wisdom or farmer's almanac thinking. And, and as we read these other various Proverbs, we need to back up and go, what is this teaching me about God and a relationship with him? Because they're, they're, they're cute, they're witty, they're interesting, but they're meant to be savored. Um, Tim Keller says it's like hard candy. If you bite it, you might get a broken tooth. You've got to slowly savor it to get all the sweetness out of it. You have to reflect on these things. So how, do, how does this one little proverb fit into a God-centered and saturated universe? That's the question we have to ask. So one of the, one of the ones that I really like, just because of the graphic image of it, is it says this, like a gold ring in a pig's snout, so is a beautiful woman without discretion. You've got to think about that, because it sounds like I just called her a pig, and I didn't. I didn't. What I did is I likened her beauty to gold, and I likened her indiscretion to the pig. And if you back up and go, what does this tell me about God? Well, I think the Lord said when King David was anointed by the prophet Samuel, the Lord looks on the inside. Man judges by outward appearances, but God judges by the inside. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So we have to keep this verse as the overarching idea for all of the Proverbs and see how they fit in there. And sometimes it's harder to do than other times. Now, right away, the fear of the Lord, it uses the word Lord, the name Lord, instead of fear of God. And if you note in the ESV, L-O-R-D is all four caps, the capital letters, 
which is the way the ESV is telling us it's the word Yahweh. It's the covenant name for God. When God was asked by Moses, what is your name? He said, I am that I am. That's the Hebrew verb Yahweh. His name is Yahweh, which is the verb I am. So this is the covenant name of, the, of God. God is in a relationship with people. And all of Proverbs, all of wisdom flows out of that relationship with him. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's Psalm 14.1 and Psalm 53.1. The fool says there is no God. The wise person knows the Lord and is walking with him. Now, it, it tells us in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And while Solomon likely wrote some of these, he certainly didn't write all of them. Later, a redactor pulled all, these, all this wisdom together, and in the name and the ethos and the wisdom of Solomon, put this together. And so right away, you know, if you're um, an older person, if you're a woman, you might read through this and start thinking, is this for me? Because it's Solomon writing to his son, and he's giving wisdom to a young man to prepare him for life in the king's court. He wants the next generation to rise up and lead well. But then when you look at it, it's not about royal things. It's about daily living. It's about how to handle finances. It's about how marriage and family stuff works and parenting and work ethos and all that kind of stuff. It's day-to-day -day grit covered here because how a ruler manages his own household determines how he will lead the whole kingdom. But right away, Solomon, if you remember the story, Solomon was about to become king and God asked him what he wanted. And he said, I want wisdom to rule well. And God says, because you didn't ask for wealth or fame, but wisdom, I'm going to give you all three. And so Solomon was the wisest person in his day. And people came from all over to learn from him. In fact, Jesus says in Luke 11:31 that in this generation will be judged by the queen of the south. She left where she was and came all the way up to see Solomon and learn from his wisdom. And Jesus said, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus was saying, Solomon was great and wise, but I'm even wiser. Which is why I picked John 1 as our gospel reading today. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. Logos is the Greek word. In the beginning was the wisdom, the wisdom of God, God himself. In Jesus is all wisdom. If you want to understand what, what is wise, look at Jesus. He shows us most clearly. It was interesting, when he went back to his hometown of Nazareth and, and began to teach and do things, they said to him, where did he get this wisdom? They actually used the word wisdom. The Greek word is Sophia. Where did he get this wisdom? Because they thought they knew him, but they didn't really know him. He, he's always had it. He is it. This is the eternal son of God. He is wisdom. And his parables are a form of wisdom teaching. So for application, I've got to ask myself this. Do I fear God? Is he the center of my life? Do I fear God? Is my worldview recognizing that God and his kingdom are here? When Jesus came, he said the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe the good news. He made the kingdom accessible to us in a new way. And for Christians, they look out and they see a God-saturated world. But the fool says there is no God. The fool is living for this life, misses him completely, and yet it's in him that we live and move and have our being. The very breath you just drew in sustained your life, and God gave you that ability. He's holding your life in his hand, and this is, God is everywhere. 
Do I fear God? Do I revere him? Am I willing to bring my life into accordance with his wisdom? A very important question, because God's wisdom helps us succeed in God's world. Now, God was kind to give us Proverbs. And take heart, if no one says you're wise, my opening question, do people say that you're wise? If your answer was, oh no, I'm in trouble, I'm gonna fail church today. If that was your thinking, fear not, because God gives wisdom to those that ask. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God and he'll give it without reproach. So if you want to grow in wisdom, grow in a relationship with God, pursue him, read, study, mark, inwardly digest his word. There is wisdom for you, ask him for it, pray for it, and pray for it specifically. See, what we're gonna find in this study of Proverbs is this wisdom is practical. It will hit you daily in your actual life. It will help you do well. Ask him for help. God, give me wisdom in this hiring process. Give me wisdom in handling finances. Give me wisdom in my relationships or parenting or whatever it might be. That, that's what this is for. And he'll do it. He will give you that wisdom because he's the source of all wisdom. And it's found in a relationship with him. So here's, here's two, in conclusion, here's two quick, simple takeaways. One, if you want to grow in wisdom, get a relationship with God and strengthen it. And then two, and I love this, this is Proverbs 4, 7. Here, get this, this is my favorite. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> we'll talk next week about seeking out wisdom, but get a relationship with God and desire wisdom and go after it. And let's pray. Lord, we again ask you for wisdom, and we thank you that you love us so much. You've given us the wisdom literature and scripture. Lord, I pray for our 2021 groups this week as we discuss this. I pray for the memory verse to go deep in the hearts of your people, uh, even in, in households. As we talk about this stuff, Lord, help us be people who succeed from your perspective, that we succeed in your world. I pray that you'd make us wise for your love's sake. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.